Physics World. Hello and welcome to the Physics World Stories podcast. M87 is a supergiant elliptical galaxy over 50 million light years from Earth, and at the heart of it is a huge black hole with 6.5 billion times the mass of our Sun. We know this because we've seen it. We are looking into space, into towards a galaxy, a giant galaxy, 500 billion, billion light years away from us. Sorry, 500 billion, billion kilometers away from us. Very big galaxy with, which was suspected to host a supermassive black hole in the very center. 101 years ago, someone discovered a streak of light which is plasma shooting out of the center of the Milky Way, marking the supermassive black hole. I never believed that this black hole was as big as people said until we saw that. This is the nucleus of the galaxy M87, and this is the first ever image of a black hole. That was Professor Heino Falke, a professor of radio astronomy at the Radboud University in the Netherlands, making the announcement at that image of the black hole at the centre of M87. An image which is burnt onto all of our minds, I'm sure. And, of course, adorning the front cover of May's Physics World magazine. In April 2017, the Event Horizon Telescope, a huge array of radio telescopes which spans the whole of planet Earth, all stared at the galaxy M87 and gathered petabytes of data that needed to be processed. This is a huge engineering and computer science endeavour alongside the physics. With those telescopes dotted all over the world, they used atomic clocks to timestamp the data in exquisite precision so that they could synchronise the data between the different telescopes. Hard drives of data from all over the world, including down in the Antarctic and on the top of mountains in Arizona, come together to build that image. The first scientist that Dr. Falke turned to after he'd made that announcement was Dr. Monica Mosky-Brodska, a member of the Event Horizon Telescope and an astrophysicist at Radboud University. Monica is a theorist who's been working on black holes for some time and I was delighted to catch up with her recently and I began by asking her how it felt to see that image after all this time. You know, it's like uh, a little bit like this eureka moment. (laughs) Yeah. So so the one very surprising thing and, you know, it's mind-blowing for me as a theorist is that this image appears just exactly how we imagined yeah. Uh, just exactly how our best theory predicted it to 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 look like, mm. you know. So it was like wow moment, incredible, sort of like a surprise, but some kind of euphoria too. Yeah. <laughs> you know that not only it's there, but it also looks like exactly like we imagined it should look like. Yeah. yeah so definitely, it's really amazing. It's just amazing. It's it's also very rewarding because you know many people have worked on this project for many years Mm. (laughs) and it just you know it worked everything worked (laughs) how many scientists were involved in more than 200 okay (laughs) from more than 19 countries 
many people really it this is not a single person job yeah. <laughs> definitely not i mean we collected like 6 petabyte of data petabyte of, yeah of data and it's just impossible for a, one person to process all of this right so uh, yeah, but my role, basically, the, the models that I compute were used to not just model the source and uh, provide sort of like a basic interpretation of what this ring is, but uh, they were also used to calibrate the software that has been used to make this image. I have provided many sort of like a template images of M87, different images with different shapes and behavior, mock images uh, of the source that were used to verify how reliable these various imaging algorithms are. Yeah, so because, you know, the software that we use to image the, 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 this data is, you know, it always has some bugs. <laughs> so it is very important to test it yeah. on something that is known, right, to make sure that we are not making a mistake. So, um this uh, this image, you know, M87 image, it's like the most carefully made yes. <laughs> image yeah. ever. Yeah. It's about how do you keep it quiet, though? Because if you got the, the data in 2017 and then it goes to the imagery people in 2018 and we don't find out about it now. It's just so hard to keep the secret, <laughs> <laughs> especially when the secret is so exciting, you yeah. know. So, of course, you know, we talk a lot about this and there was a huge excitement within the collaboration, but this was, you know, we had to keep it inside. <laughs> yeah. So we had we had some people to talk to, but, you know, yeah, I think this was incredibly exciting time this last year, but also very stressful because we were also afraid, you know, that so that the information doesn't leak out somewhere else <laughs> outside. Yeah. What did you think of the the media and the social media reaction to it? It's incredible. I mean, we've been like, I mean, astronomy for one day was like on the cover of almost every newspaper yeah. on, in the world. This is just amazing. <laughs> it doesn't happen for astronomy very often, so we definitely made it. Yeah. Yeah, social media reaction, yeah, I also liked it. I also like all the, you know, memes and funny things and... Uh, yeah. What's the implication of the image that we've seen? Now the community can, you know, astronomical community can really start testing this, you know, different theories of gravity. In in our publications that came out together with this image, we have just tested standard theory of general relativity. But there are other these theories of gravity. You couldn't check them all because there's so many of them. Mm. But, you know, this is the first time where we provide data because this data uh, that comes with the image, you know, they are public now, they are available. People can grab them. And we also provide software that can sort of make a comparison between models and data, meaningful comparisons. And, you know, people can now test all these different um, exotic (laughs) uh, theories of gravity black holes are no longer just a theory it's now reality (laughs) Uh, this is really huge huge step for for the entire astrophysics people have been wondering about these things for more than 40 years now how these things work and now we can actually you know see it (laughs) are you a science fiction fan yeah i am yeah that's good uh, so interstellar. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You used a supercomputer to image what a black hole would look like. How close is yeah. that to reality then? In a movie, they use the same theory that we use 
to produce the image, but it's a little bit different setup. And they have also changed their image because to make it look better, they have removed one very important physical effect from that uh, interstellar image of a black hole, which is called the relativistic Doppler boosting, (laughs) to just make it look nicer and nicely illuminated from all the sides. But in reality, uh, in... uh, our models, the, this plasma is moving really fast yeah. around the black hole. And this effect that I was talking about, the relativistic beaming, is that light is uh, emitted towards the direction of motion. So, so you, you would see more brighter sides of this accretion disk on, on the side where it's approaching the observer and much dimmer on the side when it's like going away from the observer, if you can like imagine a disk around the black hole. Yeah. So they have removed this effect completely okay. just for the movie, you know, for a better visual effect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, this, this probably it's uh, correct. <laughs> we actually, the premiere of this movie was during one of the Event Horizon collaboration meetings. <laughs> Oh, yeah. uh, back in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> so after the co- uh, meeting, collaboration meeting, uh, we went to a movie together with a scientist to watch it. Oh, yeah. Was it, did you yeah. enjoy it? Yeah, we enjoyed it very much. But at that time, you know, we didn't have a data yet. So <laughs> <laughs> it was a different state of mind than now. Yeah. Right now, we, the world has changed. <laughs> More from Monica later, but that feeling that things are different now is common among black hole researchers. As one of them put it, science is now divided into time before the M87 image and time after it. I wanted to know more about how they actually got the image, so I caught up with Frank Roloffs, also of the Radboud University. Frank was part of the team doing the simulations, but also got to Arizona to the top of Mount Graham to work on the observations using the submillimeter telescope, part of the Event Horizon Telescope Array. So I went to the telescope in, uh, in Arizona to do the observations in uh, 2017. Uh, and I also helped with the uh, imaging, so getting from the data to an actual image. And I'm working also on uh, simulated observations. So we take uh, a model of a black hole, uh, simulate what the Event Horizon Telescope would see given the telescopes that we have. And then, aside from all this, you pick up your guitar. Yeah, that's right. I'm, uh, I'm also in a uh, blues band. A physics students at my university met in uh, an undergrad and formed a band uh, called Blue Shift. And then for the Event Horizon Telescope collaboration meeting, it happened here in November, uh, we were asked to play there. We thought, let's write a song about the project. So that's when we wrote the uh, Black Hole Blues.
So uh, we go to, uh, up to a mountain, Mount Graham. It's uh, at more than three kilometers in altitude. And then we are there for uh, two weeks. So we, we uh, stay actually at the telescope. We bring our own food for, uh, for two weeks. So in the first week, we still have fresh food. But in the second week, it's mostly uh, uh, frozen food. And then we have long nights uh, observing. And we basically need to make sure that everything is going according to schedule. And we are doing calibration scans. So, for example, making sure the telescope is pointing accurately in the, in the right direction. Yeah, make sure that the data is uh, written to the hard drive properly. So, uh, you say you're doing it at night. You don't need to do it at night, do you, for radio astronomy? We, we talk about observing nights, but uh, yeah, sometimes you also observe uh, during the days. In, in radio, you can observe during the day. But it still needs to be on top of a mountain. Why do radio telescopes need to be on top of a mountain? So we are observing at very high radio frequencies, at uh, 230 gigahertz, so a wavelength of 1.3 millimeters. And there, a lot of the radiation is blocked by the atmosphere. So we want to have at least as possible of an atmosphere above us. So that's why we go to these high places, high up in the mountains, uh, in dry places or in deserts uh, to do the observations to have um, yeah, as uh, least of uh, these atmospheric effects as possible. It would be too slow to get so close When he thought about this he said No, no, no At the larger And does, does stuff go wrong occasionally? Well, things went very well, actually, uh, for us this, this year. So we, we uh, hardly had any, any uh, hardware failures or anything. It went pretty smoothly. Cool. Also, the, the weather was pretty good, so we were quite lucky with that. So we need really good weather all across the globe at all our sites to, to do these observations and to, to get good data. But why do you need good weather for radio? Because water vapor in the, in the atmosphere is uh, corrupting our measurements. Yeah, you're not bothered with this at, at very low frequencies, uh, but at the high frequencies that we are uh, observing it, this, is, uh, this can become a problem. Uh, and why are you observing at high frequencies? The higher the frequency, the higher the resolution of your telescope. At these high frequencies, it's where you can really start to see uh, the shadow of, uh, of the black hole. At lower frequencies, uh, the emission that you see uh, in M87, for example, is coming from these jets that are shooting away from the black hole. You cannot really see the, uh, the event horizon, the shadow of the black hole itself. And that becomes visible at these uh, higher frequencies. So he cracked the numbers and he realized Isn't that a fish would have to be You're there in Arizona, and there are these other telescopes all around the world. How do you put that together? Uh, what we do, we write our data on hard drives, and after the observations, we ship the actual hard drives to its central locations at MIT Haystack Observatory near Boston and uh, at the Max Planck Institute for Radio Astronomy in Bonn. And there we uh, combine the data from all these different telescopes in a supercomputer, and then we need to calibrate that data, so we need to fold in all the properties of the different telescopes, because all the telescopes have like a different character, so to speak. 
uh, that we really need to understand to get uh, reliable data. And then uh, per pair of telescope, we measure a component uh, of the image uh, as it uh, looks on the sky. And then we have different algorithms then that can convert those components uh, into an actual image. Yeah, sometimes you, you, you run into problems, of course, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. So you do get frustrated sometimes, but uh, I can usually still see the big picture. Uh, it's really cool to, to work on this stuff. The, the most extreme place in the universe. Yeah, a lot we can learn and there's so much going on. got the data in uh, June when the, the calibration was done. We got the first uh, data release of M87. And then, yeah, I prepared an algorithm that would take the data and make an image uh, and then just let it run. And uh, actually, within a minute or so, I saw this, uh, this ring structure just slowly pop up, which was quite amazing. But I also didn't really believe it at first. I thought, no, this, this cannot be true. There's something <laughs> wrong. So I spent like all night trying different parameters and uh, modifying the script a little bit. Uh, but I really kept seeing this, uh, this uh, ring structure. And then over the next days, we also compared it with people at our university locally. And they all also saw the same thing. And uh, eventually also within the imaging team that we had. Because our imaging uh, group was split into four teams. And each team independently imaged uh, the data. So we didn't talk to each other. Uh, at all about the uh, the process, and then eventually in uh, in July at, in, uh, at an imaging workshop in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, we compared the images of all four teams, and we all saw the string structure. So that was an exciting moment. So much potential. Whenever I speak to other people about this image, not the scientists involved, besides the wonder and excitement, they all want to know exactly what it is that we're seeing in this image. What, what, what we see in the picture is, so the emission, the radio emission that we see is coming from material that is falling into the black hole and it rotates around it and it gets very hot and starts emitting radiation. Um, but the black hole is, is so massive that it bends uh, space, uh, space time around it. And light emitted by this matter falling into the black hole is following the curvature of space-time uh, that is bent by the black hole. And then the black hole acts like a sort of lens. And that's why we see this ring of, uh, ring of light uh, and this dark spot in the middle. This dark spot is what we call the, uh, the black hole shadow. And that stuff that's being sucked into the black hole and this light is being emitted by that process? Or 
by the the matter itself. Uh, yeah, it's the matter it, it itself that gets heated, then starts emitting uh, radiation, like a, like a glowing plasma, and that's the radiation that that we observe. But that's not visible light. Uh, here we are looking at radio emission, so it's also like optical lights. These are electromagnetic waves, uh, but at a longer wavelength. And this is what we see with our radio telescopes. And then we convert that into a visual image that, that we can see. But you've not converted it into what we would see, but you've converted it into if we could see radio waves. Yeah, exactly. And can you convert it into what we would see? We could uh, model the emission, see what model uh, fits our data at radio wavelengths, and then see what would it look like. And optical wavelengths. And is that something somebody might do? Maybe I'm not. I'm not aware of. Uh... Well, if anyone's listening and the data is available on on uh, at some point, it's going to be open data. Then someone could do that, and we could actually see what we would see using our eyes. Yeah, if you have if you have a model of the black hole, then uh, then you could do that. Jordi Davila is a graduate student at Radboud and a part of the Event Horizon team who has developed a virtual reality simulation of black holes using simulation data. Yeah, so I rendered some of these simulations that I made in a full sky view, such that yeah, you can you can uh, look around yourself uh, as if you were actually there. So it's on YouTube, and then you can just either use your computer and drag around with your mouse the screen, uh, or use your phone, or like a actual VR goggle, and then you can uh, make it even more uh, immersive, uh, of course. Uh, if you want to try that out after you've listened to this episode, you can go to the Physics World website and to the page where this episode is found, and we'll, of course, post links to that. Geordie's VR work preceded this discovery and this data and is based on Sagittarius A, the black hole at the centre of our galaxy. Um, so this is all done like from a theoretical perspective. So like the first movie I made was based on Sagittarius A star event. So that was not even even close to the data, of course, because yeah, we don't know how Sag A looks like yet. And the input that we use for this type of models is that we, we have not only the observations from EHT, but also from different uh, radio telescopes all around the globe. And they help us constrain which models are favored and which not. And we try to use like the best fit models in the literature uh, for this VR modeling to make it as accurate as possible okay. to, give a, to give a realistic impression on, on how these systems behave. And is there anything that you've seen in the data that makes you think you need to go back to these virtual reality simulations or are they... Is everything consistent with, with theory? Well, if you look at like the theory paper that, that, that we, of course, wrote as an EHT, there are still quite some models still consistent with the EHT data and like the, the type of models that, that I use, um, which are like highly spinning black holes. Those are still uh, in the game, as uh, to say it uh, like that. And that's also like the one that I use for the VR movie. So in a sense, it's not, it's not, it's not ruled out, but yeah. There's, al there's always a way to improve, of course, uh, but uh, I'm still very, very happy with this one. Um, but they also taught us a thing or two about how these accreting systems look like, because we tend to use pictures where uh, our virtual camera is very far away, like it is on Earth compared to the black hole. Uh, and then you uh, squash everything together. Uh, like, like I, I tend to compare it with looking to the moon. Like if you look to the moon, everything looks flat on the moon. But we send people to the moon there to, to see how the tiny rocks look like. And if I have this goggle on top of my head, I see all these small blobs moving around and there's all kind of 
variability happening and there's a it's it's easier to get an idea about what's happening in your simulation if you're actually close to it so it taught me a thing or two for sure but like will it give me groundbreaking new science results no but it's still great having spent all that time thinking about black holes and wondering what they might look like i wondered how Jordi felt when he saw that image of m87 well the first time i saw this image that was like pretty spectacular like to actually see that black holes are real and that like we've been theorizing them for a long time of course and then to actually see an image like structure that's very familiar to us because we of course worked a lot on like modeling this this source uh, this source in the past like yeah that was pretty spectacular like uh, i was completely amazed by it I, completely amazed from a theoretical point of view, I still think that this observational campaign is like purely mesmerizing in, 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 in showing that GR is still consistent with, with, uh, with our observations. It's, uh, it's of course been a, a gigantic effort and uh, to see an image that is so consistent with GR still, that's, uh, that's pretty amazing for me uh, personally as well. There might be something non-GR going on there, but like that you can find some non-GR based model that might be that might be capable of producing a similar black hole. But it's also not inconsistent with GR. So, like Einstein wasn't not even sure if black holes were actually real, for example. And in the 19, 1970s, Bardeen, like one of the founding fathers of imaging black holes from a simulation perspective, even said like, yeah, that those those shadows are, are great, but uh, there's no hope of actually seeing one. Well, time, time went by and, and we, we actually did it. So, uh, so yeah, it's pretty cool. Tell me what you see when you look at the image. Uh, we're seeing the emission from very close to the, to the event horizon at the black hole. Uh, so we look, uh, we're looking from, uh, from above on the, on, on, on the system and this bright ring which is asymmetric uh, is, is the light that can just barely escape uh, the black hole itself and there is some asymmetry in that in that emission as well like the, the bottom part is brighter than the top part and this is because this matter is co-rotating with the black hole and the black hole is probably rotating very rapidly and the, ro the, the rotation of the black hole spins up this matter and then you get something which, which is called like the Doppler effect and that's like a thing we, we even measure in daily life when there is like an ambulance passing by when it's passing towards when it's driving towards us the the tone is different than it's driving away from us and that's that's the same thing with light if it moves towards you it will be brighter than compared to moving away from you. You say it's rotating rapidly. Do you have a sense of how rapidly that might be? Well, we still uh, have to look in the time variability of the of the images to get a more direct sense of the actual velocities and stuff but yeah it's close to the speed of light so that's really hard to get an image of right well the, the length scales are also bizarrely big right like like m87's uh shadow is 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 of the order of magnitude of our entire solar system and it doesn't mean until until pluto no that means until the oort cloud like that's even even further out it's like a gigantic beast so even if you are traveling with the, uh, the speed of light, it takes you still an incredible amount of time to make a full round. Um, let me see. It would take you, I think, of the order of a week still to go around, if, give it or take, like, like that order of magnitude. So in science fiction, and also I think in, in theory, there is a, 
there is a thought that that the black holes might be a way of traveling to another part of space-time. If it is really a wormhole, you sh- you shouldn't be trapped inside it for obvious reasons. So you would be able to see through it and get light through it, its kind of event horizon. So yeah, I guess that there would still be more emission coming from the inner part compared compared to the outer part. But I'm just speculating now as a sci-fi fan here. Uh, yeah. I've never done the computation myself. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, but it, it is indeed true that we don't really know what's happening inside the black hole, right? Because GR breaks down, you get the singularity that blows up to infinity. And if you get infinities in physics, that's like this big red flag that tells you your theory is incorrect because infinities don't happen in the universe. So, yeah, there's definitely still some, some work to be done to, to, to understand, uh, understand black holes on an even more fundamental uh, uh, level. When he turned his web Telescopes to the sky Planet Earth had been changed Into one big eye In the end when he reduced the data in his tech He got the black hole blues All he saw was black It's at a position just far away enough that it still is in the part where you don't have that uh, the, the, the curvature of space-time that is so strong uh, to actually capture the light. It's like if you are on an airplane, you, you, you just uh, go over the, the escape velocity and you can get it off the ground, right? Well, the same holds for this, for this light. It's on a trajectory just far out, in, just far out enough that it can actually re- still reach us. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm delighted that it did manage to escape the gravitational well of M87 and this huge team of scientists from around the world managed to capture it and turn it into this image for us all. I'm also hungry for more and asked Frake when we might expect some. Yeah, I cannot say anything about it. We, we, we don't have any timeline uh, at, this, at this moment. Okay. So uh, in the coming time, we're going to look more at the M87 data and look also at polarizations, which will which might be able to tell us something about the magnetic field structure. And uh, this will also tell us about uh, the physics and the behavior of the plasma that is falling uh, into the black hole and how this, uh, these jets are formed, for example, yeah. you see on, uh, on the low frequencies uh, near the black hole. And we're going to look at uh, Sagittarius A-star and see what we can learn from the data there. Uh, yeah, but I cannot give any, uh, any timeline on I tried again with Monica. You know, this is just the first image. It's a very static image. And the next step is to make movies instead of static images that will, you know, tell us much more about the nature of, of, of this ring. Is it just circling around the hole? Or is it an inner edge, you know, of, of some accretion disk that is falling, you know, like a waterfall into this black hole? Um, so what, what secrets are you keeping now? Well, <laughs> there is, uh, you know, we still want to see the Sagittarius A star, yeah. the supermassive black hole in the center of ga- our uh, galaxy. Yeah. This is our next target. Mm-hmm. The data is in and is being analyzed, but really, I cannot tell anything about this right now. Okay. Do you get? Yeah. 
and new observations are being scheduled too okay. for next year. So that's exciting. It, because Sagittarius A is at the centre of our galaxy, it's nearer to us. Does that mean you'll get more data from it? It's it's closer, but it's also smaller. Okay. It's less massive than M87 black hole, like 1,000 times less massive. Oh, okay. It's 1,000 times closer, but it's also 1,000 times less massive, so it's smaller and uh, basically get as much data as from M87 black hole. So, so there's a huge difference between M87 and Sagittarius A-star in the sense that because Sagittarius A-star is smaller, it's also um, much more variable. Mm-hmm. It's changing all the time. It's it's changing every 20 seconds. How do black holes change? Because, I mean, what because, it, because you know, the black hole is there, of course. It's static. But the things that are flying around the black hole, you know, this gas that's swirling around the black hole, it's orbiting very, very fast. Mm. So, you know, the smaller black hole, the, the orbiting um, time scale is shorter and shorter. And for... For this Sagittarius A-star, it's actually, you know, we expect that it's going to change a lot, you know. Within within one observing night, the, the source can completely change. Okay. So that's that's also why it is so hard to take a, a static image of this source. Yeah. You know, M87 is this big, super massive, very massive hole, and there's not much change around it over one night. So it's easier to capture it, right? Mm -hmm. But just imagine if something is like really changing a lot and try to take a picture of something that is moving around. (laughs) And then then you have to also take into account that there's an entire galaxy between us and Sagittarius A-star. Yeah. That is also a little bit, you know, obscuring, distorting our uh, vision. You know, the vision is a little bit blurred. Yeah. So how do you do that then? How do you... you cancel out all the stars between us and the center of the, the the galaxy it's not not about stars but actually you know the gas okay the plas- some plasma that is within the spiral arms of the galaxy mm. that is really affecting how the radio waves are propagating oh, okay. so you know it's sort of like looking at something through through water <laughs> So we have to def- we have to take into account this effect and somehow you know correct for that. So that's uh, the second yeah. <laughs> second difficulty in addition to the fact that the source is changing all the time. Yeah. Um, stay tuned. Yeah, oh, oh, oh. There'll be more coming out. You know, this are just fir- this is just first image and first six papers. Yeah. When was it- we have more data, we have a lot of data. Really. Really? And yeah. is that where where these moving images are going to come from? That data you've already got. Yeah, the movies. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That's the plan. Okay. Any, any Wouldn't idea? you want to see a, a movie of a black hole, like a real black hole, instead of static image? Yeah, I totally want to see that. When when can you I? You know, seeing see, seeing things how they plunge in oh. or disappear under the horizon. Wow! Wow! Uh, when when can you see when when can I see it? Probably within next two years for sure. Okay, okay. Because at some point the data becomes public anyway, so we have to really <laughs> write it down and yeah, right. Publish. So are you all sitting around watching movies of black holes and not showing them to us? Oh, I can't. I can't tell you. Oh. <laughs> 
unfortunately, I cannot tell you anything <laughs> about that, but this is what you can expect. <laughs> okay. Oh, dear, that's too exciting. Okay, thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed hearing from just three of the scientists involved in this huge collaboration. You can hear from more of them on the Physics World Weekly podcast from back on April the 10th, the day that this image was released. Uh, Thank you again to all of you leaving those wonderful reviews of the podcast over on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It's really wonderful to hear from you. And thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next month with something else from this wonderful world of physics. Physics World